This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Well, I'll tell you, if there's a news story that... uh has captured the attention of everybody. It's this Marine killing the black guy on the subway. And isn't that going to be the the story of the century? Everybody knows about it, even people that don't pay attention to the news. They know the story of the white Marine killing the black guy on the subway. How many people know about the dark-skinned guy that was also holding the guy down? How many people know that uh, uh, Daniel rolled him over Checked for a pulse. All these different factors that people aren't being told. But yet people have quickly drawn quick conclusions about this. Strong feelings about it. And I'll say to you, I do believe that the incident is a matter of discussion on several fronts. Both in terms of, I think, how we might like things to be. And then how things really are, because I don't know that they're one and the same, quite frankly, on on any way of looking at this. And then, of course, you've got all the disinformation being sprinkled in. And I'll talk to you a little bit about that and the impact of that. And this guy uh, is is, uh, in deep trouble, really. I want to tell you this, too, before I get to it, just to to cast a a shadow of... um, of uh, what the heck is the word I was looking for? Uh, um, skepticism. <laughs> the uh, it, it looks very fake to me. The whole thing captured on video. They're playing it very distasteful to me. Uh, that we watch this guy being murdered, killed, put to death, whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't think that, that this has become – I talk about the biblical nature of what's going on, and there's a, a, a tie there. I'm not trying to get spiritual or, or um, um, evangelical on you here, but I think if, if you look at the story of the Bible, the Good Samaritan, and uh, there was – what was it? I, I don't remember the, the story in exact detail, so maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong. How's that? Uh, but from what I recall – uh, the blind beggar, perhaps, had, had uh, gotten beat up and robbed or something like that and was laying on the side of the road. Is that right? And nobody would stop to help. Why? Well, because you couldn't violate the Sabbath. It was Sunday. They had to go to temple. And the, and the law was that you had to be the religious law. That was the, the law that uh, rang true at that time. And that religious law said that Sunday was the Sabbath. You shall not, and you shall be at the temple. And so they just they looked at this guy, and maybe they thought he was drunk or, or whatever the case might be, and they just kept on walking by. Now you think, you know, as, as children, we heard this story, and finally somebody stopped to help. The good Samaritan, the Samaritans at the time, were, they weren't a pure race, the dirty Samaritan is the one that finally stopped, not the, not the clean Hebrews. And uh, that's the story, that it was the Samaritan with the good heart that finally did the right thing. Isn't that kind of the moral of the story? Did I get it right? And so it's not the, that's not the law. 
It's not the rules that make you righteous or good in God's eyes. It's what you do in your own heart. And I don't know why this has to be a spiritual conversation. It seems um, plainly common sense type way of living to me. Does it not to you? But in some circles anymore, you realize you can't even tell these stories without people getting, I don't want to hear about you Bible stories. All right. But isn't this a lesson that bears repeating? Isn't, isn't there, isn't there a, a, a practical reason for this teaching? Look at where we are today. I would tell you, I would not have engaged that guy on that train, not likely. You know what I would have done, quite frankly? I would have tried to get off at the next stop. I would have gotten myself as far away from that situation as I could. So there you have it. I'm just as guilty as the Hebrews who kept walking by the the person in need on the Sabbath. I'm in their camp. Why would you do this to yourself? I want to talk about that. We'll go into the details of that. I don't want to jump ahead. But either way, uh, I wanted to say to you the, the biblical nature of all this. I think there is a tie there. And it, it, the whole scene just has a cast of fakery to me, uh, the whole story. And the other story, big story uh, not as many people are aware of is the Daniel Perry story. And um, that's the first link I wanted to mention. Daniel Perry, uh, black veteran, Daniel Penny, white Marine veteran, Daniel Perry, black Army veteran, sentenced to 25 years. Daniel Penny, um, white Marine, and now facing manslaughter charges. Uh, so I just the names even, Daniel Perry, Daniel Penny, kind of odd. Perry, not so much. We actually have Perrys here where we are, but they're not black either. I don't know anybody with the last name Penny. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, but it's interesting that they're so similar. Look, I don't have this is you know crazy circumstantial evidence, which a lot of conspiracy theories are built around. I'm not going to sit here like Alex Jones and and say that the people are lying and it's fake and all that. I'm just saying I'm not sure I believe <laughs> everything that's going on here. But uh, we'll just t- take it at face value for the purpose of this conversation. How's that? Call me crazy. I don't know. Am I? Do you, you know that after the um, election, Joe Biden ends up in the White House, and there was this conspiracy theory going around that that Biden was operating in this fake White House, and there was uh, information to support it. And then um, there was some little dribbles that came out that there was, in fact, like a White House set. Um I think it's in Washington, too. I'm not really sure. But anyway, it's a, it's a fake set that makes it look like they're in the White House when they're not. And uh, it's, I think to myself, why? Uh, they, I remember they made fun of Putin for supposedly said, well, he has a set that makes it look like he's in the Kremlin when he's not. Maybe this is very common to do this. Maybe they don't want people knowing about it. Anyway, now it's openly talked about. This is really fascinating. You think you're hearing, I mean, what difference does it really make? It has to make some difference or they wouldn't be doing it. So all I'm saying to you is that what you're viewing is heavily manipulated and they don't necessarily tell you. Has anybody ever come out and put a disclaimer? This is not the real White House, by the way. They don't do that. How do you even know? 
And if they're willing to go that far, how much farther? Does Biden have body doubles? This is another conspiracy theory out there. I'll bet you there are. I don't know. It's freaky stuff when you think about it, right? Maybe for the people who know the truth, they're just sitting back uh, and laughing. Anyway, this issue uh, with this this fight on this train and the, the death of this young man, which is tragic, by the way. I wish people wouldn't lose sight of that. I hear somebody go, screw him! He should have been smacking people on the head! The guy died. Uh, whatever was going on in his life... Uh, whatever demons he was dealing with, uh, you know, the penalty for hitting people in the back of the head is not death. And and even Daniel Penny uh, at least seemed to agree with that because he's checking his vital signs, making sure the guy was okay. Right? So nobody wanted him to die. That being the case, you know, if the guy is slapping people and, and uh, Penny goes to restrain him and the guy happens to die because of some other causes... Did they have a coroner's report? Was the guy on, under any influence of any drugs? It's a little strange that he would die from that, really. So many different factors in that regard. But this whole this whole issue really goes back to the gun control debate and the Second Amendment. Because the, the, the phony baloney mouthpieces would tell you that, you know... Uh, the, the, the rights in the Constitution aren't unlimited, right? And, in fact, it says pretty clearly on that particular amendment that, in fact, it is unlimited, shall not be infringed, if you can imagine that. And they would have you believe that uh, you don't need certain weapons for hunting, that the Second Amendment is about protecting a, you know, somebody's right to hunt or something like that. And it completely loses sight of what, all those arguments completely lose sight of what's really the fundamental issue. And as is the question in both of these cases, right? The first case, Daniel Perry sentenced to 25 years after, uh, and I don't know the, uh, remember the exact details, I'm going from memory, but something along the lines of uh, Daniel Perry was driving in Texas, uh, Uber driver or something like that, Went down into Houston, maybe, some Texas city. Uh, The guy that he shot was white and armed. I believe the allegation is that he, he, Black Lives Matter protest. The white guy, ironically, was at the Black Lives Matter protest. I think sticks a gun in the face of the black guy, something like that. The black guy uh, shot and killed him. If if that is truly the case there where the gun was aimed at him and he shot in self-defense there, um, I'm not sure what the circumstances are, particularly in Texas, that got him found guilty and then also got him uh, sentenced to 25 years. The governor, Abbott, down there saying that he's going to pardon this guy in this case, which is pretty extraordinary, right? And I'll just give you a big spoiler alert. Um, I, I, I do not know all the details in either case, really not that interested, and in I'll let the lawyers do all that. But I'm going to give you a big tip. Your first obligation under the law is to flee, is to get away if you can. And um, I'm not sure how that applies in the in the shooting case, um, but you know, it was, how far does this go to justify killing? Say I'm armed and I walk up to you. Well, he walked up to me. He seemed threatening. He was he was wearing a gun gun on his hip. Whoa, um, that's not putting your life in jeopardy. 
if I walk up to you with a gun and I, you know, and can you put me in a chokehold and if I die, then you're innocent of that? No, it's not how that works either. Either way, like it or not. I told you, we can talk about how we'd like things to be, you know, and, and there's two sides to that. A lot of pressure on this. They say the issue of gun control is contentious. It's really not. For some reason, there's been this outside influence that's creating the division. But there's, it's really not contentious. People, by and large, understand that, that law-abiding citizens should be allowed to carry, should be encouraged to carry in most cases. I ask people, I'll, I'll tell you this, um, I've been talking about the issue of gun control, self-defense for a long time. And long before even I was doing the podcast, just out of uh, general interest, I was asking people in my circle, which is all Second Amendment people, all gun owners, okay? I don't really know. I'm, I'm sure I do if I really thought about it. But I don't really know anybody that doesn't own guns. Isn't that funny? And so uh, my mother-in-law, she would be one exception. She's kind of, I don't know if I'd say she's anti-gun, but she doesn't like guns a whole lot. I get it. People are nervous around them. But uh, not really, I don't get it, but either way. But I started asking people, this is lifetime gun owners I'm asking this question of, okay? And the question was this, do you believe in the Second Amendment? Damn right I do, blah, 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 blah. Over my dead body, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Do you believe that everybody should have guns? Absolutely not. (laughs) Unequivocally, not even any hesitation. I kid you not, every time. And so people really are in favor of restricting other people from necessarily uh, owning guns. You know, should there be a tripwire? I'll just use an example. Um, you know, I, 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 I want to be careful, uh, respectful of handicaps and so forth. I was going to say one thing, but I'll say it a little more generally. Um, well, let's just suppose, let's use um, uh, not Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. That can make you very combative, right? If somebody has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, should their weapons be taken away from them? Come on. You'd have to say yes. Now, what should be the legal process to do that? How should it be done? Oh, boy. You really start to go down a path. But don't tell me in that case that you shouldn't. You wouldn't agree. I guess you'd hope that the family would would quietly do it. And I think that's part of a lot of what we're seeing today with these issues, such as the demand for red flag laws. It used to be when Johnny started acting a little goofy because he was separating from his wife or he got tied up in some goofy love triangle. Things got away from him. He's feeling a little depressed, maybe going to put a gun to his head, afraid maybe he's going to kill somebody else, hurt somebody or himself. His older brother went down and took the guns away from him. Or he went down with dad and they took the guns away. And maybe Billy was a little wild child, so they went down with dad and two cousins to make sure everything was okay. And they took care of it. And that's how things were done. You don't see you don't see that going on the same way anymore, do you? But it's not really a contentious issue. I think people really do want proper, reasonable laws in place. For gun, to allow gun ownership of law-abiding citizen, citizens and protect us from people that clearly should not have access to guns. And by the way, I think you also have to agree, if there's any degree of reasonableness, that there's certain places like schools and, and courtrooms 
where guns should not be. And we should be fighting to make sure that all this can be done properly. And we absolutely should be fighting to make sure that our our schools and and institutions are safe. Absolutely, we should be doing it. Uh, I saw Obama was out uh, flapping his big mouth. This is really funny, right, that lying snake. I think we need to have a conversation about gun control in this country. Go pound sand. What do we want to talk to that loudmouth for? Shut up. Who brought him out? Who brought him out of the out of the, the hole in the ground? Take your seventy million dollar book deal and shut up. Why doesn't the black Muslim from Chicago talk about cleaning up the drug problem? He wants to help. He, he was talking about the impact of race on guns. He can talk about the impact of race on guns, but don't you dare talk about how 50,000 gun deaths a year and 48,000 of them are black-on-black black handgun crimes. But the two white guys that go into a mall, and that's what they want to tell you, that that's what the problem is. And it's all bunk. Why doesn't he talk about the drug problem? Isn't that funny? Trump talked about the drug problem. Obama wants to talk about guns. Why doesn't he go down and clean up the gun problem in Chicago? There you go, Obama. Why don't you take your big mouth black butt down to Chicago and go talk to your brothers down there and talk them into giving up their guns and then come back and tell me how great it is down there. Let me know how it goes. You lay down your guns first. What it, People listen to this crap. And, and I'll tell you right now, there are going to be plenty of, of white Protestants. Oh, I love Obama. Listen to him. He's just such a gentleman. We need to have a conversation. Good. Start it down in the ghetto down in Chicago. You get them to turn their guns, and I'll come down and talk to you down there. Come down here and tell me. We need to have a conversation. You go get your homies to have the conversation, and then I'll have the conversation. I'm getting out of control here. I told myself I was going to be a gentleman. I guess there's only so far I can go. When we're being lied to, lied and connived into talked into giving up very important rights, you want to talk about an existential threat? Show me a society that's given up their guns, and I'll show you a, a people that are enslaved, miserable, and or dead. It's never worked out well. Anyway, they say people support background checks and red flag laws. I would say to you another conversation that I had at that time that that never took off was the idea that uh, national background check, and I I had suggested a few years ago, uh, have a national background check safety and competency test in exchange for a a national carry permit. I also think there needs to be distinctions drawn between private property rights and carrying in public, two totally different things. Uh, I suppose if you have Alzheimer's and you want to keep your guns, as long as you keep them on your own property, uh, I don't know. I think there's a difference, though, for people that have them on their own property versus whether they're allowed to have them out publicly. Now, you say, well, if they're allowed to get to them, you know, uh, how are you going to prevent somebody from carrying it from their house into the public right away? Well, I mean, drugs are illegal, too, and that hasn't worked either, right? Uh, and I say you're never going to get rid of the guns. I mean, you can you can make guns. You could take a piece of pipe and, and, and make a shotgun out of it. 
all right, like a, with like a, a two pipes and a nail, all right, pretty easily. Not real difficult. Not going to be the greatest gun in the world, but you could fire rounds out of it. You can easily make small cannons, which are, uh, without a doubt, far more uh, sinister. You get a piece of uh, hardened steel, mill out the center, drill drill a hole for a fuse, and pack it with powder. Uh, if you want to put a little wadding in there and you could put a projectile or, or pack it with nails or broken glass or all the nasty things that were going on in the Civil War. You can't stop that. How are you going to stop that? And this is one way that modern firearms are the great equalizer. That you can, you can go down to Walmart, or at least you used to be able to, and get a decent rifle or a shotgun that some nut job next to you isn't going to go out into his shop and make up some homemade gun and make your life a living hell. Not going to happen. Um, is the great equalizer that uh, uh, an a 70-year-old woman with, walking with a cane could carry a little stub-nosed 38 in her purse and defend herself against uh, idiots smacking her on the back of the head on the train, that the Marine wouldn't have to step in and take care of it. I think that um, I mentioned also that uh, you, you need different gun laws. Uh, I said different places. I think that cities need to be perhaps looked at differently than, than urban areas. Stop and frisk, for example. Completely unconstitutional. I said it all along. Everybody knew that. It clearly was unlimited search and seizure, finally overturned. The white mayor, Giuliani, disproportionately just randomly stopping and frisking people of color in New York. Of course, it's unconstitutional. But it worked. So why not stop and frisk everybody? Why not have, uh, and that's a little obtrus- uh, uh, intrusive, why not? Metal detectors, security stations, people have to pass through to get into places like Times Square. You absolutely have the the right and ability for governments to do that. Um, But I think that the provisions need to be made that the the Second Amendment is protected. There was a case years ago where a Marine from Ohio, Marine veteran, went to New York City. He walks into a building. He sees a sign, no guns allowed. He doesn't know New York laws. He goes to the, the, the bellhop or whatever. He says, where can I check my weapon? The guy says, what do you mean? He says, I have a gun. Where do I, where do I check my gun? They call the police. He gets arrested on felony charges. Absolutely he's correct. There was a case, I think, in Chicago, of all places, speaking of Oblama, big mouth Oblama. We need to have a conversation. Really? We need to have a conversation about all the black people down in Chicago shooting each other. Why don't we start right there? He says race is part of the equation. That isn't that. Didn't I say it right? What did I miss on that? You may not like it, but tell me what I was wrong about when I said that. No, it's not suicide. It's not mass shootings. It's not the white nationalist. It's black males shooting black males. That's what the bulk of it is. All this bull crap going on. If you were to extrapolate the number of, of deaths caused by by white males in shootings. Compared to vehicle deaths, drunk driving, drug overdoses, mental health crisis induced by drugs, all the uh, uh, um, probably even, um, what do you call it, um, domestic violence, uh, 
And it's a pittance with Obama. Oh, we need, we need to have a conversation. And then, and in the same weekend, I, I guess it was like the anti-white tour, <clears throat> the same, the anti anti-rights and anti-white tour, because uh, Biden was out saying that white nationalism is is the biggest threat to democracy. Really. And and as Biden was saying this, this is hilarious. Put this together in your mind a second. Tell me you're not being manipulated by the news. I can't make this up. Obama's out there on some video, NBC or some crap, decides to resurrect this mummy from the depths of the pyramid. The pharaoh has returned. We need to have a conversation about gun violence. And race has to be part of the discussion. Oh, you don't say. You don't say. Right? So he's out talking about you need to give up your guns, Whitey. While while uh, oh Biden is out there, uh, you know, coming up with the assist, saying that you know, and then white nationalism is the biggest threat to our democracy. Meanwhile, I kid you not, a a Democrat convention in Chicago, they were nominating uh, nominations for the uh, primaries. Mostly black Muslim Democrats. Now, I say that being, you know, the white racist that I am. Why do I say black Muslim? Well, because they had Muslim uh, head covers on. And I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. The article doesn't say this. Of course they don't. I mean, they want to just go. I'm surprised they reported it all. Right. So Biden's out there saying the biggest threat to democracy is white nationalism. Obama's out there running his fat mouth, talking about race and taking away guns. And meanwhile, black Muslim Democrats are down in Chicago, supposed to have a political convention, end up beating the crap out of each other. And the cops had to come. I kid you not. I kid you not. But white nationalism and you need to give up your guns to solve the problem. Unreal when you think about it, but I'm the I'm the racist. I'm the problem in this equation. The the white veterans, the white marine veterans, are the problems. Those of us that fought for the damn Constitution that were willing to lay down our freaking lives for it, while that slippery lip bastard sits there. We're gonna have a conversation. You can go to hell. Take your conversation and shove it. And this is why you want to say it's divided. Everybody was willing to be reasonable until it was him. It was Obama. I kid you not. I think he's a CIA operative. He's like, we're going to have a conversation. They're like, go get the guns, Obama. Go get them, boy. Go get the guns. Come on, you can do it. Is it worth another $70 million to you? How much is he getting paid to do it? You think he's spending his time doing this because, you know, what is he, woke up? Is he going to bring Harry in with him? Come on, Harry. Come on, Whitey, bow down to me just like O'Blind O'Blyden did. Come on, let's go get the guns. You're gonna listen. Look at these nerds. You're gonna give up your guns to these idiots, Biden and Prince Harry uh, and and, and uh, Obama. Between the three of them, has any of them even ever shot a gun? Go down to Chicago and get the guns, and then come talk to me. Unbelievable. I get a little fired up. They want to tell you that the Second Amendment, it was written at a different time, in a different place, and the Founding Fathers never could have imagined the technological advances. The Founding Fathers never could have imagined how far this country would sink, how low it would go. 
the lies and deceit that we would fall for, knowing full well the foundation that this country was built on, the solid foundation, that it would be pissed away the way that it has. I don't want to lose sight. Let me mention this since I'm fired up. There's a video here in the show notes. You can check it out yourself. Can I play this? Let's see if we can get this going. Well, I want to play. It's not playing. That's not very helpful. All right, we're going to do it differently. Always one thing I've learned with technology these days. Uh, you know, if you're going to rely on technology, you got to be able to do a, a couple of workarounds. Of course, this is a YouTube video, and now there's like a a, a, a 30 second commercial that I have to uh, I have to go through here. Let's see what this is. Harassing people on the train. This is the story about the. Um, the, the the white marine killing the black guy on the subway. Another writer trying to stop him. One of them ended up dead. The bystander seen in the video putting 30-year-old Jordan Neely. So they go through this whole thing. Um, they have people blurred out, including there's a guy assisting uh, in holding them down. But that's not what I want to talk about. You've probably seen all this. Now they're talking about that there's going to be protests. All right? And they have this reporter talking um, let me, yeah, here we go. So, as usual, um, the media is aware of the protest. The protest was scheduled. They would send out a press release, is what happens. And so, let's go to the protest. That's what I want to talk about. But society failed him. Justice for Jordan Justice for Tensions were high. So, they get a, a um, angry sounding uh, black guy uh, screaming at you. Right, this is very militant, angry. This is the, this is the hate has no home here crowd. I, as a small crowd gathered on the platform, denouncing what they. So in reality, when they say a small crowd gathered on the platform, what that means in reality is, somebody piped into the train station. These paid actors. So you got five or six of these paid actors. I mean protesters, and then like two hundred media people. Saw as an injustice here in the Broadway Lafayette station. And because what people are constantly given is this narrative that homeless people are dangerous, people think that they can take matters into their own hands. Where do we live? That we have to watch again a person being choked to death in public without anybody doing anything. So those two women are paid actors. You think that, oh, that somebody was riding the train, like, oh, I saw that there was this protest. Let me stop and join in. Where do you think these people come from? It's all fake, all being made to deceive people. I could go on and on about this. Um, You know, the, the, the Second Amendment is there as a very important part because it protects the right to bear arms. It's essential argument for self-defense. And that's where you see these bizarre arguments uh, otherwise now. And, and I, I kind of j- jumped over it. You know, I, I think it is unfortunate uh, in both of these cases, you know, the veteran on veteran shooting in Texas. And I saw some of the video of that, the uh, white guy who got shot. He pretty clearly had some mental health issues, in my opinion. Um, it seems to me um, in, in both cases, uh, the veterans that acted were probably a, a little more hot-headed, a little more comfortable acting than maybe some other people would be. You know, the alpha male, the toxic alpha male. Yeah, when they're protecting you, it means a little something different, doesn't it? And you've got to be a little careful who you mess with on the train. I kid you not, avoidance. 
And, um, you know, you uh, need to remember that, that if you're going to get involved in something, uh, did you do everything possible to avoid that, that conflict? You know, if, if the Marine had tried to get away from this guy and he kept coming after him, kept coming after him, I think the case would be quite a bit different. But how far does this go? It's going to be decided here legally. But you have to understand. And, you know, as far as having any conversations about changes to the laws, there cannot be any further infringement on the rights of law-abiding citizens. We have to begin the conversation there. Obama wants to have a conversation. I'll have the conversation. But it needs to start there. I started to say about the checking your weapon. There was a case in uh, Chicago. A judge. A judge. Because Chicago's so stinking dangerous. Obama's backyard is so dangerous there that the judge is taking a gun to work. He either forgot or knew he was illegally taking it in in his jacket into the courtroom. It fell out of his pocket and he got arrested and charged because I'm not allowed to have a gun in the courthouse. Which brings up another point. So I say to you, I'm fine with the laws that you can't have guns in the courthouse. I want to expand on that in a second. But there should be a place to check your weapon. Why? Because the right to carry that weapon from your home to your workplace so that you can be safe in your travel must be protected. And as soon as that begins to happen, then we can talk about reasonable gun laws. The red flag laws, I would say to you, you have to be very, very careful. Uh, I would make it a difficult process at best. And I, I think it's something to be very, very concerned about. Ripe for abuse. And no more taking of rights for law-abiding people. That's where the conversation needs to begin. Number two, we need to be, begin promoting safety, not taking rights. When has anybody, Obama or otherwise ever promoted any uh, government funding for uh, gun training and safe operation. All this money, they'll pump pump money into uh, transgender activism, but not a stinking cent for gun safety. What happened to the NRA taking the lead in this, working with young people to encourage responsible gun ownership? What's happened to those efforts? Largely, if not completely non-existent. Easy peasy. It would cost next to nothing. It would actually be fun and enjoyable if we just took a different attitude about it. Number two, I totally agree, especially in schools. God forbid, I couldn't imagine ever the day having to deal with my daughter on the receiving end of one of these tragedies. But I do believe that the doors to the school need to be locked because if it's not a gun, it could be a match, a Molotov cocktail, an axe, a sword, Many ways to heinously kill people, in some ways many much more heinous than guns. And we need to keep the schools safe. You don't see mass shootings in courthouses. You don't see them in police stations. And you don't see them in inner city schools. Why? Because they're very well protected with surveillance and metal detectors. I don't have all the answers, but there are answers to these things. There are ways to make these areas safer. Uh, the Israelis largely lead the way, and the Chinese have done a lot. A lot of these ideas and things get vilified, uh, but they become necessary when you have large numbers of people to protect their safety. It's a matter of public safety. But at the same time, we need to protect our rights. I'll leave you with this thought, speaking about the the, the slow bombers. 
uh, Michelle Obama, she was out running her mouth about gun control. Boy, the more they talk about it, the more you ought to, ought to go get a gun. She said, this is uniquely, oh, yeah, Michael Obama was out talking and she said, this is uniquely <laughs> an American problem. Yes, because the Second Amendment is uniquely an American right. It was fought for. It was paid for with the blood of men who knew, who knew the human struggle. They understood the failures of government and society, and they knew that people must preserve the right to defend themselves. Absolutely must. She'll never understand that, and neither will will her 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 wife. <laughs> I wouldn't expect any of them to ever understand it. Anyway. Listen, I would encourage you uh, to teach your children, yourself, safe, responsible gun ownership. And if you are going to own a gun, make sure that you learn how to use it effectively. The more confidence you have, uh, you'll be in a better position to react properly. And make sure you know and understand the laws around its use and that you obey them strictly. You'll find yourself in big trouble if you don't. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.